0: Awesome team this morning. I will say, I want to I want to acknowledge those who came to set up. You know, it's amazing to see so many people who who give their time to come create an environment like this, to create an atmosphere where people can know Jesus and meet Him in a real way. Right? That's what it's all about. And, um, and I love hearing the news of what God is doing here at the Grove. Um, um, Eric was telling me three hundred and thirty salvations in in the time since you started yeah that 's awesome, man praise God that is that is wonderful news. God is moving and working in santa Fe you know uh, uh, in Portalis, we're way off in the middle of nowhere, and so people have this idea of what Santa Fe is like. Liz and I have been able to be over here, and, and, and uh, we got to stay here for one year going through a school of ministry. And, um, and so we, we know Santa Fe in a different way than they do, but God is moving in Santa Fe. God loves the people of Santa Fe, and, and, and he wants to see them come to know him in a real way where they can have a relationship. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today, being art builders or having the mind of an ark builder. We're all building something. All of us are spending our time, the time God has given each of us. We are using our time, our treasure, our treasure, and our talent to build something. We are building businesses. We're building relationships. We're building families. We're building all kinds of things, and the list can go on and on and on. We are spending our time and our effort to build something. The Bible calls all of us builders, as a matter of fact. And it's important that you and I, every one of us, understand that one day we are going to answer for what we have done with the time that God has given us. And what we have built is going to be examined. It matters what you do with your life and your time. It matters that you prioritize, that you learn how to set things in the right order for what you are building. This morning we're going to be talking about having the mentality of an art builder. Again, we're all building something. And the Bible does call us all builders. We're all building something with our lives with the time that we have. And so I pray that you learn to prioritize your time and that you make building God's kingdom the number one priority of your life. You know, sometimes we get this idea that, well, my family, had this, the order you've heard, it's God first and then family and then the church. I would argue and I would contend. And we could spend time looking at the Bible to back this up. But I would contend that the kingdom of God is the most important thing that you and I will build here. Those relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ go much deeper and beyond relationship that we have with our own family, flesh and blood family. The relationships that we have in the kingdom of God are eternal. They'll last for all time. So it matters that we prioritize and we understand how important it is to be building the kingdom of God. And it's not about building buildings. It's not about a physical brick-and-mortar structure. It's about the living stones, the body of Christ, the church, which is made up of men and women all around the world. That is the true church, the body of Christ. And I pray that above all else, that you are putting energy and time into building God's kingdom. The Bible tells us in uh, uh, Matthew that we're to seek the kingdom of God above all else. To live righteously. And when we get it right, when we do that, when we seek his kingdom and we make it the first priority, then everything else is going to follow. You mean my family comes after that? Why not? Why not be radical about what Jesus is radical about? Why not give your life for something that Jesus gave his life for? And that is to build the kingdom of God. And when you get that right, then you have God himself who is going to walk with you and work with you. And he's going to see that everything else is, is met. All the needs are met. My family needs Jesus. My family needs his help and his provision. They need, so, so what's the best thing for me to do? To seek God and his kingdom first. Make that the priority and let the rest be developed by God's hand himself. He's going to be the one to provide it for us. There's another verse that goes along with this. You see, one day we all will stand before God in judgment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, we're going to read this. It says, On judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. We're all building, and one of these days, what you build, what you have spent yourself on is going to be tested by fire. And I pray that when you get there in that day, that after the fire has burned, that there is real treasure exposed, that you got it right. And you can. God's not going to call us to do something and not give us the equipment or the power to fulfill and do it. If God is calling you to be radical about building the kingdom of God, then he's going to help you to succeed in that. He's going to help you do well. Your family, your reputation, your business, anything else you want to add to that list, it should come second to the kingdom of God. Every one of you should be making great effort in building a strong, growing church inside your community here in Santa Fe today. The Grove is a great place to invest and and be a part of, of creating that environment where people can be saved. One of these days, everything is going to go away. And the only thing that's going to stand, that you're going to see, that you're going to recognize, are the people around you. Not just the people inside this, this, this church together. The people inside your community. The people that you, that you bought stuff from in their business. That you worked with together as co-workers. That you waved at as you left your house saying, Hey neighbor, you're going to recognize these people. They're eternal. And they're going to one day stand before God, and they're going to answer. And you're going to have to ask yourself, what did I do with the time God gave me to bring them into the kingdom of God? What did I do with that eternal soul to help them have a chance to be on the right side of things? So today, while we can, we need to be wise in how we spend our time, and we need to make proper effort in building something that's going to last in Genesis chapter 6, we're going to take a look at a guy named Noah. Since we're talking about being, being ark builders or having the mindset of an ark builder, let's take a look at the first guy who ever built anything in the Bible. How many of you here know the story of Noah's ark? If you do, raise your hand. God saw that, that sin had, had become, had become so abundant and had risen to a level that, that the promise of his son coming was in jeopardy. You see, God was patient, and he let this thing go, and it built and built and built. But you know one thing God's always going to do? He's always going to follow through, and he's going to make a way of escape. He's going to, wait, he's going to make a way for people to be saved. And he saw that if he were to allow the corruption to continue, that it would, it would eventually corrupt the very ability for the promise to come, which is Jesus. And so he did something about it. He said, I'm going to I'm gonna bring a flood. Let's take a look. Let's just read this here. Um, now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. We'll jump down to verse 17 there. God's telling him, he says, look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you, your wife, and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Then if you go to verse, I mean chapter 7, verse 12, it says the rain, this is the flood, it's already happening, man. The rain continued to fall for 40 days and 40 nights. That very day Noah had gone into the boat with his wife and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives. With them in the boat were pairs of every kind of animal, domestic and wild, large and small, along with birds of every kind. Two by two they came into the boat, representing every living thing that breathes. A male and female of each kind entered just as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord closed the door behind them. Genesis 7:22. 22. Let's drop down there. Everything that breathed and lived on dry land died. God wiped out every living thing on the earth. People, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground and the birds of the sky. All were destroyed. The only people who survived were Noah and those with him in the boat. And the floodwaters uh, covered the earth for 150 days. Okay. When it comes to being an ark builder, Noah, as an ark builder, had a certain type of mentality that you and I can learn from and we can replicate that. We can keep it alive today in 2016 here in Santa Fe. You, just like Noah can have a mentality of bringing salvation, bringing a place where people can be saved into your very community. So the first mentality, when you're talking about the first point of this message, the first, the first thing that is, is uh, to be recognized, Noah got it. And that's that judgment is real. Judgment is real. God said he was going to destroy life off of the earth. God told him to construct a boat. A boat had never been constructed. Now, you and I could make a boat because we know what a boat is, but he didn't because nobody had ever built anything like that. He was taking what God was telling him, and he was just putting it into practice. It would be like building a big old giant ship in the middle of Portales, New Mexico. I mean, who would do that? You're crazy. That's what happened. He's building a boat out in the middle of nothing. Nobody's ever needed anything like that. He took what God said seriously. Now Noah was 500 years old whenever God gave him the command to build the, build the boat. I'm 44 years old, and my body's not the same as it was when I was 25. I don't know what this man's body must have been like at 500. Man, God, couldn't you have started when I was a little younger, a little stronger? However it is, and back then people lived a lot longer. At 500, God told him, build a boat. If you read the bible you also find that that was right when he had his sons they were they were born around the time he is 500 years old so god tells him and this is what's neat some of the commentators they say that they say that god's command came to him most likely before he even had sons but god told him he said i want you to take your wife and your sons and their wives and you get on this boat god knew what was coming and noah took it seriously he started building. They say that it probably took from 60 to 100 years to finish this boat, to finish this huge construction program. He set his mind to it, he jumped into it. Why? Because he believed that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. What about us today, as Christians? Do we take the Word of God seriously? Do we really believe about God's judgment that it's coming? Or have we grown comfortable? Have we relaxed? Have we settled in? Have we, have we taken it seriously enough to create an urgency inside of us? To do something about it? See, Noah was told the bad news. And he did something about it. And it cost him something. We're talking a lot of work and who knows what kind of ridicule he faced. Who knows what people were telling him, you crazy loon, you're crazy, it's not going to happen, nothing's going to change. Nothing stopped him from doing the tedious work of building this ark. He believed that judgment was real. And for you and me, we need to take it serious. There is going to come a day when this whole thing is going to be wrapped up. This this time this existence as we know it is going to be changed is going to end time space is going to work on a whole different level and we're going to all stand before God. There's a great white throne judgment coming and we are going to see the masses everybody who's ever been created. They're going to be judged for how they lived. It's written about in the scriptures. You listen to the Apostle Paul as he writes. There's a sense of urgency. urgency. The gospel must be preached. Pray for me that God opens doors for me to go into these different places so I can preach the gospel so that people can be saved. Do we have that same attitude? Do we have that same kind of drive that makes us do what we do as Christians to to let the world know that there is a Savior? How are you when it comes to having that kind of mentality? Do you have the ark builder mentality that this is going to end? It's going to happen. In Second Peter, when you're talking about this judgment being real, the Bible says the Lord isn't really being slow about his promises. Some people think, no, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants everyone to repent. This time we have should not be spent being half-hearted, should not be spent seeking our own pleasure. When it comes to the grove, when it comes to this work that you guys are creating and building, the, mem- the momentum is building. It, it, it's creating steam. It's, it's coming up. I'm telling you, it's for a reason. It has a purpose. And you guys are doing something here. You're creating a place that, that is going to be where people come in and they can know Jesus. Jesus. They can come in carrying that burden of sin and find a way to have it removed, so that when they stand before God one day, God says, "I just see the blood of my Son on you. You're forgiven. You're clean." But we've got to be passionate about it. We can't. We can't. We can't take this time and see it as, "Ah, eh, it's just going to go on forever. Nothing's going to change." People have been preaching that forever. No way, don't fall into that mode. Don't think like that. Be urgent. We've got to get the gospel out. We have got to We have got to see more and more and more people come to the grove. So they can come into a place, be in an environment where they can meet God and know Him. Where they can come into the ark, you could say. Come into that place and be saved. That's our passion. And we need to be about that. Second thing, second point, is the ark is about rescue. Having an ark mentality is understanding that the ark is about rescue. Think about this big old giant boat. I mean, this thing is going to hold all this wildlife. Don't you think Noah's wife probably is like, you know what, honey? While you're building this, why don't you make our cabin space really big and spacious? And let's get one of those really nice posturpedic mattresses and put in there. And let's put a window right there so we have the best view. And then let's make a really big cooking quarters and let's hire on a really good chef and let's eat really good on this voyage they could have made it all about themselves but from what we get they didn't Noah knew this wasn't a cruise liner this ark was designed to be a place of rescue it wasn't a place to sit back and kick up your feet like a cruise liz and i might go on a cruise. I don't know now. I got this deal. Somebody called me, and uh, they tried to sell me this this vacation and a cruise for like three hundred bucks. Actually, it's four hundred dollars. It's three ninety nine. And I said three hundred ninety nine dollars. Who's got that kind of money? I don't have three hundred ninety nine dollars. Well, in that case, it's it's two hundred ninety nine. No, still not working on me. All right. Well, then how about a hundred ninety nine? Getting warmer. No, I finally said, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. And so she said, well, let me get my manager on the phone. So the manager gets on the phone and, and tells us, tell me if you ever heard this before. Okay, here's the deal. We're going to do this thing for $99. But don't you tell anybody else I'm doing this for you. <laughs> sure. I have the biggest mouth in the world. I'll tell everybody. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> so I said, you know what? I happen to have $100. I can do that. So I bought this thing. Now, we're going. we have to sit through some two-hour sales pitch. I ain't buying it. I told mean, totally, I'm not buying it, I don't care. She said, well, just put your two hours in and you're done. Well, that's all I'm going to give you. Anyway, we got to go to this thing in Joplin, not Joplin, but what's that other place in Missouri where all the entertainment happens? Branson, Branson Missouri. Never been there, Don't know anything about it, but they say it's really neat. So we're going to go to Branson come early August. And then as soon as we're done with that, then we can go to the cruise. But I found out that the cruise is on some sort of, I, I don't remember the brand of it, but, but I told somebody and they said, are you kidding? I'm like, no way. And they said, listen, we go on cruises. You don't want to go on that one. There are just the craziest wild people you've ever seen. And have you ever heard of rotavirus? I'm like, no, but it sounds good. Is it edible? <laughs> they say, yeah, you'd be lucky if you don't get off that boat sick. So I don't know. I guess a cruise can be really fun if you go on the right boat. That's what I'm hearing. Um, so we might. I'm, I'm that way, man. I'm pretty cheap. So Liz and I, we might have to go survive. But the point of that is... A cruise ship is about, is about what? It's about the person going. It's about the client. And they pamper you and they stuff you full of food and they have all these forms of entertainment on the boat. It's all about you. You complain because the towels aren't clean or the bed's not made or whatever because it's, it's you centered. And sometimes the church becomes a cruise liner instead of a, a place of rescue. And the church can become that. You can get so so comfortable sipping your coffee, eating your banana or your donut, whatever you want. If you're going healthy, the banana. Lay back in your comfortable chair. that's your chair. Nobody better sit in my chair. It becomes about you. Hey, they got my spot. Oh, man. Look at these people coming. I don't really like those people. Seriously, a church, a church that I know in Albuquerque, they started reaching out to some kids and bringing them in. And their, their program, their children's program grew really large. And a huge number of people left that church because they didn't like the kind of kids that were coming. They said, we don't want those bad kids coming. We don't want those people coming in here. And so they left to go find a church where they could be together. They forgot that it's not about them. It's not about what they could take and what they could get. That's not what the church is about. The church is about being a place of rescue to bring in the lost, the hurt. A place of rescue like a hospital where they can be tended to and they can be mended and they can find Jesus and they can find real life and live it. That's what the church is about. Don't lose sight of the fact that this, the grove, is designed to be a place of rescue, not a resort. Not a resort. If that's you, you need to ask God to forgive you for making this into a resort. You come in here looking for what you can get out of it. You come in here looking for something that's going to tickle your fancy when it comes to the worship, when it comes to the word. Man, I, I need something deeper. I just love those Christians. Then the messages aren't deep enough. You want something that's going to confuse you and confound you so you leave saying, man, that was good, but I have no idea what it was. <laughs> you need to be praying. God, help Pastor Eric to always preach a message that's so simple that anybody can get it and understand how to be saved. That should be what is done here. Keeping it simple so people can be saved. Amen. In Mark chapter 2 verse 17, it says, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Friends, there should be people in here who are here right now who don't know Jesus. And you should be the one responsible for bringing them here. You should be bringing them in. This is what it's designed for. The grove is a place for the sick to come and be healed, not a vacation resort for the church folk. Number three, the mentality of an art builder. God wants to use me to say, people, you need to get it in your head and your heart that God wants to use you. It's not about having a pastor, a professional clergyman to stand at the front and do the work. It's about you doing your part and being the hands and feet of Jesus. You are the one that God has called and designed. He's called you. He's saved you. He's filled you with the Spirit so that you can be a workman, so that you can be a conduit through which he flows. God could have all kinds of different creative ways to preach the gospel in this world. He could boom down from heaven. That would be a good one. I would would be like, yes, I will do it now. Kelly, surrender your life to me. If I heard that, I would just be like, yes, Lord. (laughs) But does he do that? He doesn't do that. He doesn't shout over the city and have people kneeling all over the place. He works through us. He works through people. God doesn't have a plan B. It's the church, my friends. That's the plan. Living stones make up the church. The body of Christ is men and women everywhere being built up together. And that's what we see here right now. You are God's answer to a lost world. You are his hands, his feet, and his mouthpiece. And he'll use you, and he wants to use you. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to be the best businessman your town has ever seen. Come, follow me, and I I will show you how to be the best husband or wife or whatever that you can be. Come, follow me, and and I'll show you how to be the most successful politician. Does he say any of that? Well, you know the answer because you see it. He says, I'll make you fishers of men. God, I just want to do what you want me to do. God, I I want to be doing things that are important to you. If you say that, if you believe that, then you will be a fisher of men. Jesus says, follow me. That's the number one thing that he's going to make you, a fisher of men. How many of you like to go fishing? Please raise your hands. Does you like fishing? Yeah, you know what it is, man. You're out there cast out and you want to bring that thing in. And you don't want it to be a big old carp. You want it to be something you can eat. Right? You know what it's about. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So that means something's being caught. Something's being sought after. Something is being looked for. And that's what Jesus wants his followers to do. He's counting on us. He's counting on you. To reach your community, to reach your family members, to reach your friends, your co-workers, the people all around you here. God is looking for you, friends of the grove, to be the fishermen who fish for men, to reach them with the gospel, with the truth of who he is. Number four, the mentality of an art builder. We need to understand that God is already working. God's already working. Some of you, I don't even know, I don't know a lot of you in here, but you might be here saying, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't even like church. I can't believe they talked to me. Into it. What, the coffee and donut was good, but man, what? you know what, I believe you're here because God brought you here. God opened the door for you to be here because he's thinking about you. Because he wants you to know him. There's this, this guy that came to our college ministry in Portales, big old six foot eight football player. They were serving Chick-fil-A that night. They brought, they brought Evan, this big football player, in, and he said, all I wanted was some sandwiches. I didn't care about the other stuff. He left knowing Jesus as a Savior. It was awesome. Great testimony. He didn't even eat a sandwich. He said, I didn't eat a sandwich because I didn't want people to think that's what I was there for. I just fell in love with Jesus, and that's where it started. See, God was already working on his heart before he ever got in the building. I believe that, and you need to believe that. God is already at work. Right now, today... There is a Satan worshiper that comes to the office to visit me. We sit down and we talk about the Bible. He's listening to some teachings that that, uh, we're going to discuss and go through. Last Sunday, for the first time, he came in and sat in one of our Sunday morning services. Almost made it through the whole thing before he left. But I tell you what, man. Unlike some people who see him as, as the aggressor or the one who is victimizing people, I see it the other way around. Bible tells me the spirit that's living in me is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. I see the Satan worshiper as the victim, and I'm going to get him. I'm praying that God saves him. I'm going to hunt that poor dude until we get him. I'm going to spend time with him. I'm going to hang out and befriend him, and I'm just going to continue to love on him until until he knows Jesus. And if he doesn't make it, it's going to be on him. But when he comes into the building... I'm trying to tell our people, hey, look, he's got tattoos of pentagrams, all kinds of stuff all over him, his face, his arms. I'm like, listen, you guys need to see this right. He needs Jesus, and we need to love him, and we're going to minister to him. And if you can't hack him being here, then you don't be here because we got to create space for him. God's already working, and that's what I said. God's working on this young man, and God's drawing him. God's doing something in him without us, and I just get to be a part of it. The same thing around you in Santa Fe. Man, nobody wants to listen. Nobody's going nobody's gonna to pay attention to me. No way, man. I see it as the other way around. God's moving. We see the violence in our country. Well, today we hear about the Dallas shooting, the, the, the two individuals were, that were shot in Minnesota and Louisiana. We hear of all the tragedy and the suffering, and we, we look at all the disrespect for authority. it seems to be increasing. It, it's, it's, it's building And listen, that shouldn't shock us as a church. We shouldn't be like, oh, no, batten down the hatches, hide, let's get away. No way. That's not the answer. We don't hide from it. It's what it is. Jesus told us in the scriptures, you're going to have many sorrows. Each day is going to have its own little bundle of trouble. So don't get all stressed about everything else. Take care of that for the day. Difficult times is not foreign to the church. And listen, in the world today where there's pain and suffering, you and I as the hands and feet and the mouthpiece of Jesus, we need to get out there and make a difference. We need to get out there and love people. We need to get out there and shine the light of Christ because there are people who need Jesus. It's not a time to shy away and back away. It's not a time to, to gather in and, and, and close, the, close the door. It's time to open up and say, hey, look, my Jesus, the one that I gave my life to He didn't run from the storm. He walked out in the middle of it. He didn't sink. He didn't falter. He dominated. And that's the Jesus that's living inside of you. So as the storms rage around us in our society, as the storms rage around us all around in different parts of the world, the church is not faltering. It's not fading. It's growing. It's increasing. The more the enemy stamps, the larger and more powerful the church grows. If you don't believe that, you're just not seeing or getting the right information. How many of you men, I'm going to say, because women usually don't do this. How many of you guys played with gasoline and fire when you were a kid? I'm telling you, I love this illustration. I did. One time got a little fire going. Just a little fire. Gas. And so I went to stomp it out. What happens when you're stomping all over that gas? It's splashing and the fire is intensifying. And then pretty soon it's fire going everywhere. It's not getting smaller. It's getting greater. And that's what happened. That's what happened to me then, but happens to us today. When the enemy comes in and tries to stamp out the church, what does it do? It just increases and grows and grows. So don't let stuff intimidate you. Don't let something keep your witness from going forward. Have an art builder mentality. God's working, and I'm just going to partner with him. How do you do this? And we're going to close right now. How do you do this? What people need to hear around you is not your judgment. You don't need to judge them. They already have a judge, and we know that's God. They don't need somebody accusing them, clarifying what they've done wrong. They already have that, and that's Satan himself, the accuser. They don't need you defending them. They don't need you standing in for them. They already have that. That's Jesus. What they need from you and me is for us to be a witness. To be a witness. A witness of who Jesus is in our world today. Have an art builder mentality. Know that you are part of something that is, is it matters way beyond just a, a Sunday morning time together. You need to have your eyes wide open all during the week. What does God want to do through me? What does he want to do with me? And how can I be a part of making this grow more? Church growth is important. Not so that we can just count heads, but so we can see people saved. You need to be praying. God, I pray that somebody takes my seat and leaves me standing up at the top. God, I pray that somebody comes in here whose life is wrecked. I hope they come in here, people that would make me uncomfortable, but they come in here and they get saved and they know you. God, we need to have space for them. What are you doing? To play your part and be an art builder for your church and for your community. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I don't know, and I ask you to do that. You don't have to, you can keep your eyes wide open. It makes no difference. The reason I say to bow your head and close your eyes is because sometimes that helps us get alone in our spot and we get to really think. It matters so much that you know Jesus. What good does it do to talk about being an art builder, of creating a great church and a community, if you don't know the one who is ultimately behind it all? What good does it do to have good intentions of being an art builder, of being a place where people can come for help, but you don't even know who it is who is the ultimate foundation of help? That's Jesus. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, the music, the worship, the spirit that is moving here, I feel it, I know it, I can taste it, and I want to be a part of it. I want to know this Jesus that's worth giving my whole life to. I want to know this Jesus who's worth, who's worth putting first place above everybody, even my family. I want to know this Jesus who promises me that he's going to stick with me and give me everything that I need, everything that I need, nothing lacking. How do I do this? If I were sitting in your seat right now, if I were sitting in your seat and I found myself saying, Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you, I would pray a very simple prayer. I would communicate a very simple communication to Jesus himself because he's here now. He sees you. He sees where you are. He knows you. And if that's you, I would ask a couple things. I'm not going to ask anybody to stand up or come forward or do anything like that. I'm just going to ask that you'd raise your hand. you say, yes, that's me. I need to surrender my life. I need to give myself to the Lord. I need to surrender myself. If that's you, raise your hand. Raise your hand as an act of faith. Put action behind the belief. Say, yes, Jesus, to you. And then we're all going to pray this prayer. We're all going to pray this together. So would you join me now? Say, Jesus, I need you. I want to be a part of your work. So I give you my life. Wash me and make me clean. Help me to be a child of God. I believe in you. I surrender Let your will be done. Amen. Amen. Folks, God bless you and thank you for letting us be here with you this morning.